other day I was uh, in the conference room at another church for a meeting, and there was a, there was a poster up on the wall. The poster said, um, in a world where you can be anything, be like Jesus. And I think that it was an attempt at a spiritual spin on, um, on, on, uh, on that saying, if you heard it, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Have you seen that anywhere? I think it was an attempt at a spiritual spin like that. But I didn't like that poster. I didn't like it because uh, in the first place, we don't live in a world where you can be anything. I think we've damaged a few generations by telling people, hey, you can be anything you want to be. And I, I certainly remember being told that uh, as a kid. Um, but you can't be anything that you want to be. Uh, years ago, we had a family here, a wonderful family. A man was a deacon in our church. Uh, he had a son who loved baseball, played baseball in high school, uh, was a pretty good baseball player. He wanted to be a, a professional baseball player. His dad sat him down and said, Corey, you don't have what it takes to be a professional baseball player. Pick something else, son. And I think that he went into the Army, and I think he's an engineer today. But, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're 4 foot 11, you're, you're not playing for the NBA. It doesn't matter how much you want to. We don't live in a world where you can be anything. And anybody who's got a few years on them will uh, tell you about schools or programs that they tried to get into, jobs that they applied for, careers that they tried their hand at that didn't work out. We simply don't live in a world where you can just be anything that you want to be. Far less do we have the ability to simply be like Jesus. The, the idea that our sin just lies so lightly on the surface, everything that, that separates us, alienates us from God, just lies so lightly on the surface because we just followed the bad example of Adam and we just needed Jesus to come and provide a good example for us to follow was first proposed by a fellow by the name of Pelagius in the 5th century and it was resolutely condemned by the church. We don't live in a world where you can just be anything. And as things stand, you can't just be like Jesus. To live like Jesus, you need the life of Jesus. I'm going to read today from John chapter 14, verses 12 through 21. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and this is the word of God. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. 
Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And our Father, as we hear these words today, we pray that you would give to us your spirit, that we might understand them, might believe them, might live in the light of them, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you know, we ought to be like Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called, in fact, Peter tells us to to walk in his steps, to follow in his steps. Uh, Christ, we're told in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, is the image of God. And we are told then in chapter 3 to put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. And Jesus tells his disciples here, he tells us to be like him. We're to live like Jesus. So I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And so we are to be like Jesus, we're to live like Jesus in the things that we do. Uh, literally, as some of your translations might have, we'll do the works that I am doing. Anybody who believes in me will do the works that I am doing. See, as we've read through the Gospel of John, we've seen that the Father has sent the Son into the world with a task, with a mission. And Jesus came into the world and he lived his life on a mission. He didn't live his life aimlessly. He didn't live his life selflessly. In fact, as Jesus Bonhoeffer looked at Jesus and summed up his life. I love what he said. He looked at Jesus. He said, Jesus was the man for others. He didn't live aimlessly. He didn't live selfishly. He didn't live life coincidentally, just doing God's will as the coincidence came up, if the opportunity arose. He lived his life deliberately with a sense of mission. Jesus would later say to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And those who believe in him, who have faith in him, will do the same works that he's been doing. Now, obviously, when Jesus said that, that whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, obviously, uh, he doesn't mean we'll die on the cross for the sins of the world. Right? They can't do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. It's not possible for us to do that. But Jesus isn't speaking to his disciples about that because he has not done that yet. And, and, it, and it's beyond their capacity to fathom yet that that is going to happen. So he's talking to them about the works that they've seen him do to this point. 
And what have we seen Jesus do to this point throughout the Gospel of John? Well, we see him heal people in need. We see him love everybody. Everybody. Pharisees, tax collectors, prostitutes, everybody. Everybody who comes to him, everybody he encounters, he loves. He fed the hungry. He assured them that they were forgiven. And he's announced the coming of the kingdom of God, which calls people to a radically different kind of life than anything that they had seen around them and anything that you see around you in the world today. And he calls us to do the same. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. In fact, Jesus says, because I'm going to the Father, you'll do greater works than I've done. It's a startling statement, isn't it? It's a startling statement. How can we do greater works than Jesus has done? But Jesus doesn't mean here greater in the sense of better works, but greater in the sense of being more. You see, Jesus is going to the Father. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to talk about that in a moment. And what Jesus is doing is he's setting up a force multiplier. What Jesus did alone with a small band of disciples over a period of three years in a very compact geography, he's calling all the people who will come to him throughout all the time of this remaining age, millions of people, maybe billions of people over the years from every nation on earth to deliberately, missionally do the works that he did while he was among us. We're to be like Jesus in the things that we do, and we're to be like Jesus in our prayers. So he goes on to say, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Uh, This is one of the most misused and abused passages of Scripture. You'll hear people make recourse to this sometimes, as though what Jesus is doing is giving them a blank check here. It's a promise that anything you pray for, if you tack on the words in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer, well, then there's a, there's a promise that God will do that, will accomplish it. The truth is, friends, let me tell you that it is possible to pray in Jesus' name without uttering those words, without saying the words in Jesus' name. And... It's possible to pray a prayer and end it with, in Jesus' name, and not be praying in Jesus' name at all. Consider a police officer who does what is wrong under cover of the badge he carries and tells people that they have to comply with it because what he's doing is in the name of the law. Is that really, truly, legitimately 
in the name of the law? No. He's exercising his own evil selfishness with a pretense to the law. The promise of Jesus here to do anything we ask in his name is qualified. The anything is a qualified anything. First of all, to pray really in Jesus' name is to pray in a way that represents him and his interests. That's what he's talked about here. He says, if you believe in me, if you have faith in me, you'll do what I've been doing. You'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. It's in connection with that that he says, and if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It specifically refers to the prayers related to the mission that Jesus has given to us. And it has a goal. Did you see what the goal was here? It says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's the goal of saying, I'll do anything you pray for, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, the the misuse of this passage is common. I, I hear this passage misused all the time. But misuse is also ancient. You know, James wrote about it. In chapter 4, and he said, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you forgot to tack on in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer? No. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your selfish pleasures. See, what Jesus is promising here is not a blank check, but it's a prayer that he'll hear us, that he'll answer our prayers as we pray in connection with carrying out the mission that he's given us to carry out. We do not live in a world where you can be anything. And we certainly can't just be like Jesus. And yet we're called to believe in him, to do the works that he's doing, to pray in his name and all that that really means. In other words, we're called to be like Jesus. We're called to live like Jesus. But to live like Jesus, we need the life of Jesus. And that's what he begins to tell us about Next. He says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And so it's here that Jesus begins to tell his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, we confess in the ancient creed, is the Lord and the giver of life. 
When the, when the Son of God was conceived as a man in the womb of the Virgin Mary, it was because, as Luke reports, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And as he began his public ministry and went to submit himself to John's baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. I want you to note what Jesus says about the coming of the Holy Spirit here. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. Jesus had told Philip, we saw it last week, Jesus had told Philip, and Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. He said, Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't know me? He who's seen me has seen the Father. And now he says that he's going away. And when he goes away, he says, the Holy Spirit will come. I want you to note that he says that the world can't see the Spirit, doesn't know him. He says, but the Spirit lives with you. Why? Because Jesus is with him. He says uh, that the Spirit, that the Spirit will be in them. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And just as to see Jesus is to see the Father, to have the Spirit live in us is to have the Son live in us. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, and because you see me, and because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Just as to see Jesus is to see the Father, to have the the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is to have Jesus dwelling in us. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us new life. Because I live, Jesus says, you will live also. It's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that enables us to be like Jesus, to to live like Jesus. It's not something that we can do on our own, in our own strength. In fact, can I jump ahead a little bit here if you have your Bibles? Let me jump ahead a little bit to chapter 20, after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, chapter 20, and, um, and verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. There are those words. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, what Jesus is is doing here, you know, it's a peculiar thing, and John's the only one who records it, but what Jesus is doing here is symbolic of the Spirit's coming at Pentecost. But but I want you to think about that imagery. Breathe on. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Does that sound familiar to you at all? What have you seen imagery like that before? Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being, we're told in Genesis 2-7. And in the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus breathes into us the life of his resurrection. And what's the outcome of that? Well, as I just read, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. Not by our own authority, but as God's instrument delivering his message of the forgiveness of sins or proclaiming they're not forgiven when people are playing spiritual games. And the outcome is that, as Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me with a mission, deliberately, intentionally, I'm sending you. He's sending us to be like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to pray like Jesus, to do the works of Jesus because we have the new life of Jesus the Holy Spirit of God breathed into us to give us new life. Let me say it again. We don't live in a world where you can be anything you want to be. And you're called to be something that you can't be, to be like Jesus. At least you can't be in your own strength. You're called to live a life that's not aimless, that's not selfish, that's, that's not even doing the works of Jesus coincidentally as the opportunity arises, but as the Father has sent Jesus, he sends us to bring the gospel of the kingdom, not merely coincidentally seeking occasions to feed the that, or, or as the occasions come up, but seeking the occasions to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, comfort the suffering, and share the good news that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus. I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do what I have been doing. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the difficulty, because we can't command or summon the Spirit. Jesus said of the Spirit back in chapter 3, liking it to the wind, he said, the, the wind blows where it will. Yet you can't see the wind, you can see the effect of it, but you can't control the wind either. So what are we to do? Well, in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find knock, and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he asks, which of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. 
If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to what he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, to those who ask him. Have you asked him? Is it, is it a prayer that you pray every day, any day? Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of Jesus, so that today I may do your will, so that today I may carry out the mission that you've appointed to me, for me. Today, I may walk in the good works that your word says you have ordained for me from before the foundations of the world. You're called to live like Jesus. We're called to live like Jesus. But to live the life of Jesus, or to live like Jesus, you need in you the life of Jesus. I'm going to ask our elders if they would come to distribute the elders.